Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dead City Drive-In, the only podcast that doesn't mind the occasional Jim Henson fist. I'm Brian Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And we are the heads of programming in this here Dead City. And in this episode, decreed by the higher-ups, our bosses, the drive-in gods, we have been tasked once again to program a specially themed double bill for the ravenous hordes of mutants and madmen outside our projection room door. Chris, I've always wanted to know, uh, what was playtime like at the Holcomb household? It was very playful. Yeah? Um, you know, for a few years I played with myself. Okay. And then I got a sister. (laughs) And, yeah, my parents said, you don't want to play with her. Okay. And honestly, once she started to develop a personality, nobody else wanted to play with her either because (laughs) she was... Um, well, I guess I've been kind of cursed because my younger daughter is, you know, <laughs> I go to my mother and I say, you know what? Thea has taken the mantle from my sister and has now become a difficult child. <laughs> so playtime with those difficult children really, you know, like my sister in particular, consisted mostly of getting punched in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So did you, did you have like any, uh, like, I don't know, Saturday morning routines other than nut punching like was there anything that you guys would do wake up early well in the i mean morning? we would sometimes you know get up early try to make breakfast for my parents which Aww. they fucking hated jeez oh, really yeah, yeah it... absolutely i think i think they kind of acted like they, they liked it because you know they're their parents and stuff but yeah. it's like oh it's six forty-five on a saturday morning and we want to sleep in which now I can totally identify with. And I'm like, God damn it. What a horrible thing that we did to those poor people. They're like, it's gummy bears. Well, well, actually, I mean, I I could make toast and pour cereal, which my dad was all about the cereal. My mother, she's not really a breakfast person, you know. (laughs) She's just not a huge fan of breakfast. Yeah. So... What, well, yeah. so you so you you would make breakfast for the family. What'd you do? Would you sit in front of the? In, in... Oh hell yeah, the boob tube man. Yeah, because I mean, sat, well, that's the thing that I think people today don't really get a chance to experience, like we did as childrens of the childrens as childrens mm-hmm. of the seventies and eighties, and even into the nineties, somewhat, where you know Saturday morning cartoons don't exist anymore. Well, now everybody just has a tablet; they can watch whatever they want, whenever they want. Uh, yeah, it doesn't I guess have so. The same magic, but you know, right? it's 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 like you know. Destination appointment television. You yeah, know, there, there was something very magical about that, and also you know each network would kind of do their thing. You know, CBS had their cartoons, and NBC had their cartoons, and ABC had their cartoons, and you could kind of flip you know back and forth between those different stations and kind of watch different things. And um, you know the type of shows kind of changed during the course of the morning. So the earlier that you got up. You know, the less mainstream stuff would be kind of around six o'clock in the morning, which I think that's probably where I got my introduction to like Japanese anime kind of things. Oh, okay. Because like, uh, you know, stuff like, um, I don't know, Battle of the Planets, a.k.a. Gotcha Man, 
you know, those kinds of things would show up. Voltron. La Blue Girl, Volume 6. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That yeah. was your children's oh, entertainment? Def- well, actually. porn? That, that, that kind of came along a little bit later when I was actually working in the video store. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, some of the things... I remember in like the early eighties with the whole video game craze and like the series of, of video game cartoons that had come out. Like there was a Pac-Man cartoon that I was crazy about. Oh yes, that's right. But like there was a Qbert cartoon. Okay. Um I'm trying to think. There was a Donkey Kong cartoon that came out. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which usually was like kind of towards the later portion of the morning, man. Dungeons and Dragons they'd have on before like it was like either the second to last or the last cartoon that you would kind of see before cartoon day kind of came to an end yeah i, re- you- I remember when cartoon day came to an end because that was my i was always so excited for cartoons now we had like a little bit of a separate uh, you're a, a little older than i am mm-hmm. and so i like the ones that you're describing i'm familiar with but i didn't watch them the ones well, there's a little bit of crossover too because like you know i remember when ghostbusters yeah. or the real ghostbusters mm-hmm. actually i guess you know because i there was also the you know filmation ghostbusters right. um but i mean i mean I that, remember when the, the good one yeah when the real ghostbusters came on and i was obsessed because that was what 1986 yeah um you know and i had seen ghostbusters because i think i was i was seven or eight when ghostbusters the movie came out and i was obsessed with that movie and then when i was like oh my gosh we're gonna get a cartoon series and i could watch ghostbusters every saturday morning holy shit and i think i probably at the age of seven or eight did say holy shit (laughs) so um yeah i was crazy about that i still remember i mean that would like that and that ghost foot stepping into the frame and just dancing down the ghostbusters cartoon was my start to saturday morning yeah and i remember it coming what was to it, abc i think it was abc that maybe i really on. don't know um but i i know that it usually came to an end when the old cartoons were coming on like uh the, like uh bugs bunny like looney tunes would nah, come on and i was like knock it man no i'm not but like i was in that era where it's like Ghostbusters and then we had, uh, you know, like Captain N, Super Mario Brothers even. Oh, yeah. Or uh, um, I remember... With Captain Lou Albano? Yeah. <laughs> Which, had, by the way, quick little thing, there's there's an episode of that show where, like, uh, Luigi gets pasta on him mm-hmm. and and he points it out to Mario or something and uh, uh, Mario, Lou Albano says, hey, fuck! you luigi and plucks the pasta and you can hear it it's clear as day mario <laughs> telling Lou. luigi to go fuck himself or whatever anyway um saturday mornings all right but i remember being so excited when saturday morning uh when beetlejuice became a cartoon and that oh, was like yeah. a huge deal for me because i was such that a was another abc one right yes there, yeah. and that that blew my mind but then it would get later after the cartoons it became the live action entertainment and at that, you know, so you would have kind of like Bozo. And I remember they were like reruns of that or even Captain Kangaroo. And that was, for me, I watched those, but it got to the point for me where I was like... See, that's the beauty, I think, of me being a little bit older because, you know, those later live action, you know, there was still some of the Sid and Marty Croft stuff that was happening. So Land of the Lost... I had to have all that as was, a way was later. one of them. Yeah. Um, now that's like one. my favorite thing, Chasing of, of Star Command. Oh, yeah. Which that was fucking awesome you yeah know, it's like I, I there were there were a lot of those I, I really really liked and then um 
you know, things like Buck Rogers uh, or replays of the Guild Gerard, Buck Rogers in the 25th century and Battlestar Galactica. Those are kinds of things that came on. And then as I kind of got a little bit older, too, there was stuff like, you know, the War of the Worlds uh, television series and stuff that they would play, you know, probably like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And yeah. then we'd go right into like, you know, if you were living in the Tampa Bay area, WTOG and Dr. Paul Bearer. That's if, right. If, creature feature so it was kind of like a nice lead-in you know to uh the really really interesting stuff that twisted me and made me who i am today i mean there was no shortage of what we're trying to say is there was no shortage of children's entertainment lots of shrinkage but no shortage (laughs) well i'm curious about maybe what our special guest's uh childhood entertainment was like who should be asking because by his choice of movie it sounds like it was a little fucked up. Yeah. I don't know if that's accurate, but hey, who knows? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everyone in between, our special guest programmer for this episode is the one, the only, Matthew Yovino. Hi. Hi, fellas. How's it going, Matt? Pretty good. Pretty Excellent. good. So you've had a chance to kind of sit here and listen to us talk about um, Saturday mornings and, you know, things that we kind of watched as children and everything. What was your Saturday morning like? To start, I'd watch the inside of my eyelids. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I would sleep in like... Really? So you were kind of like a late sleeper? Oh, yeah. Still to that day. Still to this day. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I I don't know. I think I kind of worked my way into being kind of a a, a late sleeper and everything. But like as a kid, I guess on Saturday mornings, I was was up pretty early. (laughs) So you actually, as a kid, kind of slept in late. So where where were you kind of stepping into the, uh, the television lineup like on a Saturday morning? Uh, probably around the same everybody else, you know, my Saturday morning cartoons, get a big old bowl of cereal, enjoy yes. myself in front of the TV. What was the cereal of choice in the Yovino household? Oh, boy. I mean, I don't even think it exists anymore. Uh, Just like all the best cereal, you know. But it was Rice Krispie Treat cereal. I uh, oh. remember that shit was delicious. So delicious. Tiny little nuggets of Rice Krispie's treats. So sweet. So potent. That it really did turn that milk into sh- pure sugar. Hmm. Yeah, I remember oh, yeah. that. See, it I, didn't last I, I very guess long. I missed out on that one. Yeah, that was like uh, that was like ninety something, oh. like maybe like early nineties. I want to say like ninety one oh, era yeah. or something like that. Children, <laughs> children. <laughs> that was a delicious cereal. Um, I always like well the Ninja Turtles. The Ralston Ninja Turtle cereal was d- d- delicious. You didn't have that? No. They were like little nets. They were like uh, like Chex Mix nets uh, and then marshmallows. See, I got like oh C-3PO cereal. Yeah, C-3PO. You know, so there, was, there was that. Did you ever um, get the Ghostbusters cereal? No, never got the Ghostbusters cereal. What the fuck? Cereal. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's, I guess I'm, I've kind of fallen that weird transitional place and everything where, you know, we had certain things that we were eating. Um Vodka. Yeah, exactly. That's that's pretty much it. You know, <laughs> vodka poured directly onto sorrow. <laughs> You're just like pour, picking out like cigarette butts and putting them in your milk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what my childhood was like. <laughs> Little bastards. <laughs> so your Saturday morning, I mean, you not just Saturday mornings, but like children's entertainment for you. You, you grew up, where'd you grow up? I grew up in New York. Okay. So children's entertainment was hookers and people screaming Coney at each Island other, and yeah. and 
used heroin needles. So you uh, didn't necessarily need television <laughs> in order to be uh, entertained or terrified as a child. You... Exactly. I had a nice even balance of both. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, your movie that you've chosen is kind of like the best type of perverted children's entertainment. I mean, that's a that's one way of describing it. I think that there's probably a lot more ways, and including the title of the movie itself, which is quite literal. Um, but I'm curious as to why you, you chose this movie that you chose, and, and in fact, what movie you chose. So, yeah, could you could you tell us uh, what, what film you've, you've, you've picked for, uh, for oh, us? Of course. I chose Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Ooh. It was a night like any other night. Then something happened. Something different. There's no shooting star. Why here? Why now? Why clowns? <laughs> They've been knocking them dead. All over the universe. What are you going to do? Knock my block off. <laughs> Soon they'll be doing it at a theater near you. Killer clowns from outer space. Uh-oh. <laughs> Want to play games? You're messing with the wrong guy. What are you in for? Killer clowns from outer space. It's crazy. I mean, I was a child of the late 80s, unfortunately. I didn't get to see the best part of the 80s, but I had an older sibling, of course, so everything kind of got passed on down, including all of the classic shows, movies, and even something like this. So this is just kind of nostalgic for me. So your your older sister would right. would she, she would go to the videos and she'd rent these movies and she would say okay Matt time to watch more or less or would you well, like sneak I mean, in and say sis I want to watch <laughs> let me what are you like... watching Diana yeah. what are you, I want to watch it too <laughs> that's that's very accurate to what I sounded like as a yeah. child and she'd say <laughs> get out of my face I'm trying to watch Killer Clowns. <laughs> It's like I'm back in my living room. Yes. <laughs> we like to transport our guests. Well, you know, there are some people who like who their older siblings kind of would were like guardians for them. They would say, no, 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 not this one. You can't watch this or, you know, the, I don't know. What was the age difference between you and your sister? About four years. So okay. It doesn't seem like much, but I guess it actually made a big difference. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. And it, it was either video store or... Um, Maybe he was playing on HBO or something. something Gotta love that home box office, man. I mean, that really, I think, was the corrupter for so many people of... I mean, the the definition of children's entertainment for people in the 80s was home box office. Dude, I I mean, fucking Fraggle Rock, man. Fraggle Rock was was on on HBO. HBO? That was an HBO show. I I remember that as Saturday mornings. Yeah, no, I I watched it on HBO. It's so funny because I, I also remember, like, my choice... That I picked is something I remember watching on Saturday mornings, but also Fraggle Rock. So I have a pretty perverted sense of what my routine was as a kid, too. So 
this is actually pretty fitting now yeah. that we say this yeah. out loud. Okay, okay. So do, 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 you blew my do, mind do, 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 about the Fraggle do, Rock do. thing. What is that? Dance cares away. Oh. Down a Fraggle Fuck. Watch the Fraggles Fuck. Watch the Fraggles Fuck. Well, uh, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about this movie? Correct. 1988, the uh, Kyoto Brothers. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. God bless the Kyoto Brothers. <laughs> but, uh, who's in yeah. this bad boy? This was uh, Grant Kramer. Oh, yeah. Who? Grant Kramer. Yeah, okay. He was in Hard Bodies. Seinfeld. Was he on Seinfeld, too? Oh, I'm thinking of Kr- Kramer. Oh, dipshit <laughs> no you're the dipshit no you're the dipshit brandon <laughs> let me use the remote i want to watch bozo the clown fine you can watch it have it fuck nut i don't care <laughs> i'll punch you in the junk <laughs> so who else was in this movie <laughs> oh yeah suzanne snyder ah yes suzanne mm-hmm. snyder she was uh is she in return of the living dead too she might have been. But I think actually, she's like the I remember girlfriend. her from uh, from uh, Weird Science. Remember Deb and Hilly, Ju- Julie Aronson, and then the other and then girl, the blonde. She oh, was the blonde. Okay, all right. So she was the one that was hanging out. Well, that kind of hooked up. Well, I don't know. Was it really a hookup with Anthony Michael Hall? And then uh, what was it? Wyatt. Was yeah. Well, yeah. Gary and Wyatt. Yeah. <laughs> then the other guy. <laughs> The was math teacher. Michael Alon Smuss or something? I don't remember. Yeah, but anyway. Okay, who so, else? Who else is in this? John Allen Nelson. Okay. Hmm. A man whose name I've never been able to say properly. I, so I'm going to butcher this okay. right now <laughs> and say Royal Dano. That's you what I've always said. It. Yeah. Yeah, right, just then. like Paul Dano. Yeah. They're not yeah. related. But oh, yeah, Royal Dano. I thought which... Paul Dano was Royal Dano's dad. No, there's a significant age difference there. <laughs> Paul Dano. Uh, okay. No. Well, hey, you never yeah. know. Although Royal Dano did have a son named Royal Dano Jr., who was an actor as well. Really? And then he died like four days before his dad did. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's freaky. Dude. So Royal Dano died of a broken heart? Uh, maybe. I mean, Royal Dano was sick, but like his son died, I think, you know, cancer or something like that, like four days before his dad did. Hmm. Yeah. All right. And who else is in this movie? Of course, the illustrious John Vernon. Yeah. Now, for those who don't Zero know. Point zero. Double secret probations. For those, and of course the star of one of my very favorite movies, Savage Streets. Yes, and um, he was also the mayor in Dirty Harry. That's right. Oh, mm-hmm. God, I love John Vernon. Yes. Always always game for staring people down with those ice blue eyes and just saying lines well, really angrily. Canadian, too. Was he Canadian? Yeah, he Canadian. Another Canadian. Another Canuck. Um, for, for those, I, I love John Vernon, man. I do. <laughs> for those people who don't know what a movie called Killer Clowns from Outer Space is about, Matt, could you tell us? Well, you have a small town. It's Crescent Cove. It's terrorized by these bloodthirsty aliens in the guise of monstrous clowns. And their circus of otherworldly weaponry, including cotton candy cocoons, living balloon animals, ray guns, and deadly shadow puppets. All right. <laughs> Gleeful. All right. Gleeful. All right, Matt, tell us why you picked this movie. Uh, again, it's just one of those nostalgic films, and for a while it was one of those I thought was just kind of known to like me and maybe like the people around me until I realized it was one of those much bigger things. 
uh, especially nowadays with my God, it's huge. It's isn't a it? special it's... fucking club because I mean that was really kind of how I you know you could gauge friendships. You know, people come over to my house and they look as I've got I've got a huge. You've been to my house. You've seen like all oh, the yeah. fucking DVDs and Blu-rays that I have, and people will go through and kind of look at the movies and they'd be like, "Oh man, you got Killer Clowns from Outer right. Space." <laughs> And it's like when I, you know, would meet other people, the same kind of thing. I'd go over to their house and say, oh, you got killer clowns. I mean, there was just, there was a certain kind of kinship with people that knew what killer clowns was. But now it's kind of transcended that. I mean, it's literally, it's a it's a haunted house at Universal. Yeah. You walk into a spirit Halloween store and it's Oh, the fucking cotton but... candy guns you can't get a hold of, man. They, mm-hmm. they they're sold out. Yes, all the time. I mean, right? it, they're, it's it's become like a ubiquitous thing. It's like, it, it only took. You know, 30. thirty years, but it's it's bigger. Killer Clown's probably bigger than it's ever been, yeah, right? I right. mean, it's wild. I can't believe we don't have a sequel yet. Yet, yeah, yet. Maybe it's coming. <laughs> but anyway, my point is, is now it's 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 like I said, it's transcended the little secret club, and it's kind of become a a bigger phenomenon. And yet, you don't really hear people talking about it, like yeah. in everyday conversation. Or at least I don't. The conversations I have, but. Um, uh, there's still that nostalgia for it, and I think that that's kind of what's ballooned it into. Uh huh. Wow. Into what it is now is that that nostalgia for it, just saying like, oh my god, I used to always watch this movie with my sister, or we used to watch this movie Saturday mornings. We would wake up. This is what we would watch. Like we'd rent it at the slumber party, and this is what we would watch. Well, there was something like a little bit transgressive about it and everything, but at the same time, it was still kind of accessible to kids. Where I think parents would kind of look at it. What are you watching? Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And they'd be kind of like, that's just so remarkably ridiculous that it's okay. I'm going to let you watch that. Like, I rewatched the movie, you know, recently. And I, I mean, I watched it a ton as a kid and everything. But uh, my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter, kind of, she said, Daddy, what is this? And I'm like, this is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And she watched it with me. And there were moments where she'd be like, oh, I don't want to watch this. And then she'd leave the room. And then slowly she'd kind of creep her way back into the room and kind of look at it and everything and then sit down on the couch and watch it again. And then she told her mother, Mommy, I watched the Clowns from Outer Space movie. And of course, Jamie, she goes, that's one of my favorite movies. (laughs) And she had no objection to the fact that I had shown that to my daughter. There's been lots of other things that my seven-year-old, and actually when she was substantially younger as well that she kind of watched while I was watching and probably should not have been watching. But this was one of those things that like, you know, at the age of seven, it was, you know, a good limit tester, I think for her a little, a little more palatable than blood sucking freaks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, A whole lot more palatable than blood sucking (laughs) freaks for everyone. Matt, were you afraid of clowns? I wasn't. I I really wasn't. I don't know. You don't, I'm, just, I'm in the same boat. Like, I don't understand the fear of, cl- I, like, I try to understand, I don't, like, it's not, I never thought they were scary, I never really, di- it never did it for me, but. Yeah, I was much more afraid of other things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's plenty of other things that you can be more afraid of. I was of. afraid of my parents getting divorced, which of course eventually happened, and. <sighs> I was frightened of the corpses that were in the back room at my father's place of business. Yeah, right. We, so we had real world fears. People were afraid of clowns. We're like, all right, pussies. <laughs> to be fair to this movie, the, the clowns are pretty disturbing looking. Yeah, they yeah are definitely. I mean, they're nightmare fuel. Yeah, for sure. And in fact, uh, if I remember correctly, they were even reused um, yes. years later in one of the greatest films of all time, Matt. Yes, that's uh, Ernest Scared Stupid. That's right. <laughs> so, 
you know, you see they they would pop up. That was another, by the way, kind of like Saturday morning staple and Halloween yeah. staple for that matter. Well, you know, there used to be a TV show, Hey Vern, it's Ernest. Oh yeah. So and it was that referring was to it was referring to Hey John Vernon, it's Ernest. Oh, John Vernon yeah, is Ernest. Yeah, th- that's who Vern always was. If you well, ever you know, John those... Vernon and his acting was always very earnest. Yeah. <laughs> that's the importance of being John Vernon Ernest. Oh, what happened if you'd like have John Vernon and John Ryan going head-to-head in a scene? Oh, my God. While Jack Ryan's in the corner jacking off and Mitchell Ryan is Ooh. on top of it all calling the shots and uh, Ryan... I'm, it's going nowhere. All right, yeah. Somebody I'm sorry. stop me from <laughs> like interrupting that. I thought it was going to be a cool segue. No, but no, no. That I just yeah. wasn't where it was going. Jesus, <laughs> that was just watching with like abject terror. Tangential like, bullshit. Yeah, it goes down the drain. Um, all right, tell us some more about Killer Clowns, dude. Tell us what what you love about this movie. Why is this such a great drive-in flick? It's so campy. Yeah. Just the first of all, the practical effects. I'm a of which sucker they for all are, right? They, yeah. Of course. Yeah. I'm a sucker for practical effects. And that just it draws me in even more, you know. And um there's lots of rubber in this movie. So much rubber. <laughs> Foam <laughs> rubber. Well, the the Kyoto <laughs> brothers, this was the the first and only movie that they directed if I if I remember correctly. Um and uh but they were they were special effects guys, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, for me, the thing that I I most remember the Kyoto brothers as are the creators of Critters, yeah, yes. which is one of my favorite, you know, comfort movies. And yeah, uh, he's a total Critters, Mark. Oh my god, big time! Are you kidding me? God, I fucking love Critters. And he uh, does not do any manscaping down there because he thinks it looks like a critter. So Even doesn't teeth. bite. That's <laughs> yeah. I always wanted. I, yeah, I, I it's I prefer that to the Billy Zane. Uh, the Billy Zane look, but they, you know, they, they also did uh, uh, some stuff for the TV show Monsters, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, but really, Freaked man, the Kyoto Brothers were some of the effects artists that worked on Freak, along with Screaming Mad George. Okay, and and did, did they? Uh, oh, oh, and they did. Uh, they did the puppets for Team America. World Police America, fuck which yeah. is kind of wild to think that like Slick they my dick and suck on my balls. But uh, and then did they? Oh my god, I'm just looking up their effects stuff here. They did this movie. They did the special effects. I remember this for a 1999 movie called King Cobra. It was like a direct to video movie. Did you guys ever see that? I don't think I ever saw. I've never seen that. That came one. out. I remember. I feel like when I was working at Hollywood Video. Sounds like something would be on the sci-fi channel. It was, but it was all practical effects. It was before CGI took over that, like, Roger Corman shit. So, anyway, back to your practical effects notes. I mean, the Kyoto Brothers get a chance to to make this movie, um, and they bring this special effects knowledge to the table, and this is what we get. Exactly. You know, I'm not going to lie, you know, as I, I, I am a, I am a homosexual. <gasps> I know. Really? Shocker. Yes. <laughs> And um, I thought you were just really happy. I I mean, I'm that also. Oh, good. Yeah. Happy and gay. It's a gay old time. <laughs> exactly. Yabba dabba do. <laughs> <laughs> I always knew those Flintstones were up to something. What the hell does that have to do with clowns, man? <laughs> <laughs> Got far ahead of myself. <laughs> but I won't lie, you know. 
Grant Kramer. Oh, okay. Know, it was so a little, all right. Might have been one of those early little uh, oh, awakenings. Shit. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, he was in a movie called Hard Bodies. So, yeah, of course, you know, I think he was probably one of those, you know, handsome young actors of the 80s. And uh, John Allen, what's his last name? John Allen Nelson, Nelson. was another one. Because I, I can remember there were, these are other some like HBO movies that I saw, like, you know, that would play on like Friday nights, kind of late and everything like that. So there were all these kind of like, you know, California sex comedies and stuff that Grant Kramer and John Allen Nelson was in. There was one that had to do where, um, not John Coco, what's the actor's name? From what? Oh, he was a character actor. He What's looked that like movie? A, he looked like a poor man's Dom DeLuise and stuff. But anyway, it was a story about this guy moving to this community, and uh, he was kind of a nerd, and he makes a deal with the devil to become attractive to women, and he turns into John Allen Nelson. Huh. So it was like him with his shirt off the entire time and everything. So this was your awakening? Yeah, it might have been. Okay. Yeah, Another thing that these movies have in there common. There we go. But <laughs> where was I during all the... <laughs> you might not have even been born yet. Probably not. <laughs> all right, that's interesting, because I feel like Killer Killer Clowns is... And, and I, I could be mistaken, but I feel like it's it's a relatively sexless movie. Is that right? Am I... Am there's I, there's no, moments. You have you have plenty of moments. Are there? Especially okay. Especially the, the brothers with their ice cream truck. That's their whole M.O. is... Oh, that's trying to get used laid. To... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good call. <laughs> the film opens with that. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> right. Those okay. two girls like sucking on the, the the popsicles and stuff like that. And it's like, ah, we're not that kind of girls. All right. Maybe oh, I'm darn. wrong. While the other stares directly into the camera. <laughs> well, and like the whole opening sequence, like actually, this is something I forgot. Christopher Titus is in this movie. Yeah. Which I I I that completely blanked on that. Uh, I guess I'd never put two and two together. But like, I'm rewatching it, and I was like. That's fucking Chris Titus right there. And of course, <laughs> he's picking up all the beer because they're going to go up to that you know makeout spot that they kind of have right. in, in the movie, um, which is really cool, too, because it leads into this whole, you know, I'm a huge fan of The Blob, both the uh, Chuck Russell remake, but also the original uh, Steve McQueen, you know, what is it, 1957 movie? Yeah. And, and, and that's basically, this is a pastiche of yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. And this is really before, I think... I don't know. I could be totally wrong on this, too. But, like, pastiche still wasn't being done a whole lot. You know, like it, like these homages to the 50s uh, yeah, the kind of creature. The reflective kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not... They hadn't gotten too crazy. I mean, there were things that kind of happened in there, like Night of the Creeps kind of has that vibe right, to that's right. everything. But um, and this might have been kind of the beginning, one of these movies that kind of helped usher that in. Now, do, do you guys know, did this movie go to theaters, or was this a straight-to-video release? I think it might have been in theaters. Yeah, no, I think there yeah. was a theatrical release for this. Maybe not a widespread release, but yeah, I think this got a theatrical release. Because I feel like, again, it, it like when you de- you know you use the term cult classic to describe a movie, which I feel like this is probably up there with you know the greatest of all of them. Not not necessarily in terms of quality, but I mean like in terms of knowledge. You know, like people's awareness of a movie. Um, they find that second audience. I can't imagine it did great business in theaters. But I'm sure it just killed on video. It had oh, to have. most definitely. I mean, this oh, is yeah. that era. This well, is I like... mean, I mean, think about it too, though. I mean, HBO probably the first place you saw it or on video. Or HBO on... was yeah. the first place that I saw this movie because I mean, this is probably a movie that got released like in California and not too many places. Maybe like a couple theaters in New York and stuff. But you know, as long as they release it in New York and California, hey, we got a theatrical release, right? Well, what are some other drive-in things that this movie has going for it? I mean, you have some some sex and comedy mixed in as well, okay. along with some of the 
more PG horror. Well, because this is a PG thirteen film, but right. it's in that early stage of PG thirteen where they were definitely pushing the limits of what that meant. So the movie does ride that line of like, there's some legitimately, I think, disturbing stuff in the film that is like for a kid to see is like, ew, God. Right. I, uh, I saw decapitation. In, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> what are you going to do? Knock my block off? I remember always being really unnerved by the John Vernon ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, that was Even pretty- to this day, it's still got this kind of just eeriness to it. Even, you know, for a movie that I sit there and chuckle at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just remember, the, like, when he pulls his hand out of his back and just, like, whoop, yeah. like whaps it onto the ground, like, to... The... Shakes the blood off his hand. Yeah, yeah. That's that. I all that image has always stuck with me as a kid. But it was something that wasn't edited out on the TV airings, or right. you know, because it wasn't gory. You don't see the blood splatter. It's just the movement of it. I just yeah. Well, it's just so kind of batshit crazy that you know, much like I think my parents, you know, when watching this movie, it's like it's so absurd. I mean, there's a, a complete absurdist quality to this film. But it adheres to it, you know. There's there's rules that it follows and everything, and it's never really offensive. Yeah, I think that's that's you know, a thing too. You know, there, there's a lot of filmmakers out there that can kind of take something that is just remarkably gory. You know, Sam Raimi's one of those kind of directors where he kind of pushes it into that kind of splat stick kind of you know oeuvre, and yeah. when you're kind of in that that space certain things that are very disturbing and grotesque and you know are a little more forgiven i guess because the overall tone allows it to be so yeah yeah all right there are also some really great perversions of things that we all know as kids i mean another one that really sticks out to me are the shadow is the shadow puppet sequence oh of course <laughs> we'll talk, talk about that a little bit i mean that's always been like that that's another moment in my mind that I've always remembered from this movie that oh of course me too you know you have one of the smaller clowns approaching a group of bikers and there's people you know across the street actually was it I'm trying to think of which clown it was now actually I think it was one of the taller ones it's like when the bus goes by and then all of a sudden the clown's there yes because there was like an elderly couple in there watching applauding all excited (laughs) and a younger couple yes and just a bunch of girl and her mom I think (laughs) yes (laughs) but just you know your basic kind of oh look shadow puppets oh that's entertaining next thing you know they're making a little t-rex or some kind of a monster out of their hands and well just... yeah but there's a couple other things too it starts there off are. like as a bunny rabbit you know right. which is like i think that's the first like shadow puppet that anybody learns is yes. to do the bunny rabbit <laughs> but then you, you they kind of cut back and forth between you know the people that are watching it and seeing the actual shadow puppet on the wall the brick wall behind them and then they do this kind of close-up of the clown who has these just immense grotesque hands <laughs> with these big fat fingers could never it's do anything, not, anything, doing anything that's yeah, very nuanced at all <laughs> yeah. and then all of a sudden you look up at the wall and uh, what else, what are some of the other things that he does prior to doing the T-Rex? Oh man. It reminds me of the Gremlins, the scene in Gremlins 2. Bunny rabbits. What they make and they make Abraham Lincoln. Like I love oh, that dumb one, joke. Yeah, they've got Washington crossing the Delaware. Washington. That's what he does. Yes, that was yeah. it. <laughs> so it's like a bunch of guys on a raft and an American flag, you know, that he's doing it is so just, dumb. It's just ridiculous. Ridiculous, and then of course it leads to this uh, this T Rex. So what happens with the T Rex? Right, Matt? of course, chomps on down on these uh, onlookers. Yeah, and that's it. They're gone. Dead. I just remember Done. the legs going like down the gullet of the thing oh, as it swallows. 
Great moment. Just a great moment. Of course. And then he has him like trapped in his hands, and then he puts him in a little box of popcorn or something that he brought with him. Yeah. What are yeah. they doing? So the idea is that they're they're collecting specimens, wrapping them up in in the cotton in candy cotton cocoons. candy cocoons, and for 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 what? What's the nefarious? They're just feeding. I guess they're just feeding. I don't know if they ever addressed. Like well, I the guess there's, there's the thing with the. Uh, this is one of the things that my seven year old daughter knows. She goes, "Is that a twisty straw?" Oh yeah, because he drinks the blood. He drinks the from blood the... out of the cotton candy encased or cocooned human beings. That's right. Solely did, for consumption. Did they ever <laughs> ever dis- like get into where why clowns? Do they ever do anything? I mean, like they never go into like the origin of these. Yeah, there's things. no explanation. I think where they come from. I mean, it's it's you know very much so like the beginning, like the movie The Blob, yeah. where. There's a makeout point where all the teenagers are there, and you know Christopher Titus is there with his girlfriend, and then Grant Kramer and his girlfriend, and then they see like a shooting star, and it lands not too far away. Hey, let's go look for it. And then of course you have what the old man that shows up, which I guess is you know your favorite Royal Dano. Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> and it kind of goes from there. It's very clearly a movie that like a couple of siblings just came up with the the title, the idea of you know, and they were. At no point in the production or pre-production of the movie did anybody ask the question I just asked of like, so what's the deal? Why are they clowns? They're like, because it's funny. Because the clowns, <laughs> clowns and the killer are clowns. That's why. Fuck you. And they're from outer space. Yeah, they're from outer space. Why are there clowns in outer space? Fuck you. <laughs> why is their ship a tent? Yes. <laughs> what else does a clown travel in? <laughs> it just it has that. It has that that like whole thing of like, eh. Because it's funny, and right down to the the final joke well, of the I mean, movie, all which the is... clown tropes that just exist that you can kind of play around with, and then kind of I guess modify them for whatever the, your purposes are, you know, in order to tell the story. Because I mean, there's a lot of kind of clown accoutrement that kind of comes with that. So, what are some of the things that we kind of find, you know, that we're familiar with you know, clowns having that they kind of twist to the world of the movie? Well, I know they the well clown car. Right, yeah, the clown that's car. That's pretty damn funny. And that's, you know, Chekhov's clown car because it kind of plays a very important part in the end of the movie as well. They have uh, balloon animals. I'm trying to think what else they have. The, right? Don't they have, like, not like not, almost, the, like, not shadow puppets, but the balloon animal? The, yeah, uh, like a little the, bloodhound almost just kind of sniff sniffs. out the. Uh... Yeah, they use a. Uh, yeah, that's right. One of the clowns, when the people are running away, the clown makes immediately, like, a, a balloon animal dog. And the dog is actually tracking. <laughs> and I love that, that in pure 1988 fashion, they were just like, just make it a balloon animal. It doesn't do anything special. It's literally <laughs> like a balloon animal. They didn't like make a, another puppet out of it that would make it kind of move around. It's a low budget movie. Okay. Yeah, but you want to know something for a low budget movie? You know, I think they utilize film craft very, very well. Do you guys have any idea what the budget of this movie was? Does anybody know? I want to say like uh, somewhere between one and three million dollars. Right, like it could not have been that much. I, I'm just I'm I have not checked to see. I have no idea. I don't know that I because they utilize a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, you've got all the, the puppetry and practical effects, which are things that right. the Kyoto Brothers are like. You know, well, this is our passion project, so you know they're gonna take care of that. You know, there's some visual effects with you know the spaceship. There's one really cool matte painting that is a total Forbidden Planet ripoff. 
So when um, when Grant Kramer and his girlfriend are actually inside the circus tent and they're kind of running down the hallways, going through those rotating doors and stuff. And then they wind up like in where like the power core is and there's, you know, like a plasma ball there that's like shooting off like lightning and sparks and stuff like that. The shot is a total ripoff from Forbidden Planet. So the, it's a love for the classics is exactly. very well, I, the, apparent. I, there were like three or four different things that I saw in this movie where I'm kind of like, I mean, the blob stuff is the obvious one, um, but there was that Forbidden Planet one. And there was another shot, too, where they start off and they show like a road sign. And maybe you guys can help me because I can't remember what this might be from, but it's the the road sign that points to what's what's the name of the town? Crescent Cove, five miles. And then all of a sudden, you know, from out of frame and then walking into the back, you know, are all the clowns walking down this road in the direction towards Crescent Cove. And I'm trying to think, you know, it it, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, the zombies walking across the Brooklyn Bridge in zombie in zombie. Yeah. But there's another movie specifically like where there's a road sign that says, you know, so and so five miles. And then they start walking down that road. And I don't know. Does that ring any bells for you guys? I mean, yeah, it's like, like, it seems I, like I, a trope. I, it seems like an image that I've probably I've seen, seen this dozens before, of times, right? and I just can't think of where it was that I saw it. So this movie has a giant. By the way, I, I, you know, we have there's a lot of similarities in all three of these movies, but one of them that's very clear is there is a giant version of the terrorizing creature, and the, I guess it's affectionately dubbed. Uh, Clownzilla, yeah, Clownzilla, right. <laughs> right. Now that, that it's a giant animatronic puppet, right? I think it's, it's a, a guy in a suit. It's a guy in a suit. Guy in a suit. And I want to say that was one of the only ones that I don't think the Chiodo brothers actually made. Really? I think that was the one, one suit. Now, do you guys want to hear something crazy? The uh, that giant Clownzilla was reused, not in an earnest movie, but in. Speaking of Saturday morning cartoons, the Ghostbusters show at Universal Studios Orlando. Really? It was one of the giant, the ghosts that appears, Pepper's uh, ghost illusions that appears as a giant clown, and it's fucking Clownzilla shows up. In fact, all of the creatures were made by By the Kyoto Kyoto Brothers for that that ride, or that that show. I just put that together, like, yeah, holy shit. I saw that show so many times, and I just, I... You don't remember the giant clown? I don't that comes the it, giant like, clown. it just go, pops up and like dips back down. Huh. It like I don't even know if it goes after the well, Ghostbusters. You know, I kind of remember the clown, but yeah, I guess I didn't put two and two together. On yeah, that it's one. on all the promo images for it. Like it's right there. It's Clownzilla with his nose intact. Oh, so so really is. <laughs> Shoot the nose and the confetti flies everywhere. It's like just <laughs> so many silly little things. What else do you love about this movie? what I do love about it now, you know, now that I'm older is just, I don't know, I guess how, to be honest, how many actors being a horror fanatic that I am, how many actors are kind of interwoven with this movie in other movies like Royal Dano, like, I mean, John Vernon, who's <laughs> in my head, just in everything. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. John Recred. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I keep going back to the whole nostalgia play and it's just, it's one of those things where I think back and I'm like, I should not have been watching this movie as a child, but I still did. It was this and troll two and you know, things like that. (laughs) Yeah. Another bizarre PG 13 horror that treads the line of like, 
It's not quite graphic enough to make an R, but it's very much like <laughs> an Italian sleaze factory. <laughs> right, right. That this movie doesn't have. This movie has this kind of wholesome vibe to it. Yeah, that I don't know. What, what is this? Is this a good kids movie? Like, is this something that? You said you shouldn't have probably I, been watching it. I shouldn't were... have been watching it, but I'm not going to lie that recently my niece wanted to watch it. She's young. <laughs> She's very young. Like, yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get yelled at for getting this wrong, but I want to say she's around five years old. And she asked my older sister, my, my gatekeeper to this thing <laughs> of watching uh, the movie. She said, I want to watch that clown movie. I had no idea until I got a FaceTime later on uh, in the evening, and she just kind of sitting there chuckling, all maniacal, telling me, I watch the killer clowns. <laughs> I love them. And, and you all know, yeah, we all know that your sister, when she asked, can I watch killer clowns? She was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. <laughs> I already have it queued up. I don't, she doesn't sound. I, I don't know. I was waiting that she for yeah. this moment. Yeah. <laughs> I knew someday you would be old enough. I did this for your uncle when he was your age. Ruined his life, and now I will ruin yours. <laughs> Next thing you know, she's out getting tattoos at the age of six. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But I mean, I just I kind of did the same thing though. My seven year old sat and watched it, and you know, I was kind of wondering what my wife would say, and yeah, she was she was totally down with it. She goes, "Oh, that movie's fine." I'm like. Okay, good. <laughs> I guess it goes back to being that, you know, that PG-13 where it, it it seems like something we should not have been watching, but at the same time, it really isn't that bad. It's not that grotesque. Yeah. There's moments, but it's really nothing that's gory, nothing that's, you know, very front and center sexual or anything like that either, so... It's I, colorful, colorful enough, there's enough eye candy to it that it doesn't... It's not, like, dark and dreary and depressing... Well, it goes back yeah. to that absurdist tone that I was kind of talking about before, though, too. It's that it's just it's so off the wall that it's kind of easy to just overlook some of the things that it's like, you know, oh, if we changed the color of the blood, you know, right. then <laughs> that would make all the difference, you know, a little more frightening. I mean, because these these clowns have like fangs, you know, and just these weird kind of rictus kind of faces and everything that are just I, I kind of sat there for a moment thinking, you know, what? My three-year-old's, you know, she watched the last 10 minutes of the movie, which, of course, my wife said, she goes, that's the worst part. <laughs> but I was like, you know, is this enough to be nightmare fuel for my kid? Because, I mean, I used to be a school teacher, and we were talking before about, you know, chorophobia and people's fear of clowns and everything. And I had one of my students, I can remember from about 10 years ago, that, like, even the mention of clowns, like, would set her off. Like, would totally set her off. And then I had another student at E.T., you know, Carlo Rambaldi's E.T. design, freaked her the fuck out. She was just afraid of things that looked like pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you a quick story about clowns? Like, uh, what, chlorophobia? Is that what it's called? Cholrophobia. Cholrophobia. Um, I had a Halloween party, and a friend of mine shows up at the party and uh, not a close friend, more 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 of an acquaintance. But he shows up at the party, and it was a costume party. Everybody's dressed up, and he's dressed up as a clown. And it's like, like the shittiest, most fucked up, dumb looking clown you've ever seen. Like disturbing, like Gacy style. If Gacy, you know, did it with his left hand instead of his, you know, like. <laughs> 
Anyway, so he's at this party. The whole night, he keeps, like, approaching me and, like, staring at me and, like, staying in character. He never breaks character. And he's always, like, like, giving me looks the whole time. And I'm like, dude, okay, I get, yeah, I get it. You're a, you're a clown and you're here at the party. Okay. And later he comes up to me and he goes, I heard you're terrified of clowns. And that's why I did this. And I'm like, well, you heard wrong. <laughs> sorry, I don't know what to tell you. All night. No, he, he didn't believe me. He thought I was just saying that to, to deal with it, to let it just roll off my back. He committed to this th- all night. He's constantly just staring at me. And it, it just got to the point where I was like, dude, you're not right, scary. You're enough is annoying. enough. It's fucking stupid. I'm not afraid of clowns. But what I was afraid of, or what really bothered me, was he also carried glitter around all night, and he kept throwing it. We cleaned glitter out of that fucking house for two years. It was in every Son crevice and every corner. So no, I'm not afraid of clowns, but I'm afraid of the fucking glitter shit that they bring around with them. All right, there's a couple more things I want to talk about before <laughs> before the uh, we, we wrap up our killer clowns conversation that I just we have to talk about. One is. The Dickies theme song. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Actually, the music in the, this is pretty cool. The music video alone for that as well was just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a song that, that needs to be on rotation at every Killer Halloween party. Clowns. Um, And then the other thing is uh, the end of the movie makes a very distinct threat or promise, if you will. And as of the time of this recording, it has not followed through. What does it say? Killer clowns will return, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, something that. along like the lines of "they'll be back," right? Right. <sighs> well, they did. They showed up at Universal. They've showed up at Universal, like we said. Spirit Halloween has a whole section of merchandise dedicated to them, and just recently they announced. Oh yeah, they have a uh, a video game, multiplayer video game for no killer shit. clowns. Yep. Either you're playing as the clowns, or you're playing as the uh, humans. Wow. Oh yeah. What are they releasing this on? Uh, I'm guessing all Windows, PlayStation 4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox. Like, it's going to every platform. Um, Terravision Games is who's uh, developing. Terravision. Uh, and it'll be, yeah, early <clears throat> early 2023, I guess. Did the Kyoto's do Terravision? No. Is it... No, that's Beekler. Who's Beekler? Okay. Yeah. That's, you can tell because it looks like him. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I think the design <laughs> looks a little bit more... I mean, because, yeah, Beekler's got very, very distinctive... Yeah, everything looks like a slimy Beekler. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't think that uh, Beekler did that. Everything looks like Cellar Dweller or tr- or Troll. Or Ghoulies. Or Ghoulies. <laughs> and that is what John Beekler looked like. <laughs> Just covered in KY. <laughs> All right. Fat and hairy. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, great choice, deserves to be seen on the biggest screen possible, just the way the filmmakers intended. Matt, that's an excellent choice. Uh, but now we've got to program something, some kind of uh, perverted puppet playtime double feature. And Chris, I think you should kick things off for us. And my pick is Peter Jackson's 1989 opus, Meet the Feebles. Just once in a lifetime, there comes a motion picture so courageous, so explosive, that all else pales in comparison. 
A motion picture that breaks with convention. Disregards taboos. Risks 90 days in jail. Feeling shy. Are you pledged? This is a family show, for Christ's sake. And digs deep into hitherto unexplored regions. This is such a picture. Oh, what beautiful white forest. The barriers are down. Sex. I'm hot, Fletch, but not the way you think. Drugs. Animal husbandry. Why did you bring it here? It's not mine. You know it's not. We'll let the court decide that, shall we? Corruption. Barry, do we align? From the killing fields of Vietnam to the playing fields of Beverly Hills. This is the motion picture that dares to probe the secret innermost fears. It's the big one, Harry. No, it can't be. I've taken precautions. That eats at the heart. The tears at the soul. Please, God. I know I've been a bad bunny. From Peter Jackson, the director who gave you bad taste, comes a movie with no taste at all. Meet the Feebles, a motion picture that gives all it's got. Meet the Feebles, the adult puppet movie with something to offend everyone. Please. Don't tell your friends how it all comes out in the end. Yippee! I don't know, man. I don't think you picked it, picked something perverted enough. Yeah, no. Actually, I figured I wanted to go something that's a little more family friendly. Yeah. So the tamest so I, movie so on the I, list tonight. So I went with the puppet show. <laughs> I decided to go with the puppet show because I love the Muppets. Um, so this is from the director of The Lovely Bones and The Hobbit Two. Yes, The Hobbit Two and Hobbit Three. Even though there was only. One fucking book! It's 120 it's one. pages long! That, that thick. My that, dad read it to me in one night when I was a kid. You make three fucking movies out of it? Yeah. Fuck you! That's not... Oh, I hate that shit. Yeah, I, and I still think that his King Kong, within that movie, is probably one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, you just have to sit through three hours yeah, of it. Well, yeah, I mean, if we edited that fucker down and stuff like that, but I still think you know, that there's things in King Kong that, in that three-hour movie is the greatest movie ever made. I'm not saying it is in that form. I'm just saying that if you knew some judicious cuts were made, that it could be the greatest movie ever made. Because the performances are good. The special effects are top-notch. Um, the art direction, I think, was excellent. It was a great choice of him to do it as a period piece. I think the the, the there's a, a fatal flaw with King Kong, though. What's that? The design of, the, of Kong. He really? just looks like a gorilla. It just looks like a gorilla. Kong is a Kong's a gorilla. No, he's not. <laughs> he's he's not? a bipedal creature. He's he stands on two legs. Uh, yeah, he's like it, it, they make him like a like a, a typical silverback or whatever. I see what you're like. Saying. There's nothing. It, it it's why one of the reasons why I love Skull Island so much. Like oh, because he stands erect. Well, they make the the they're like it's not a gorilla. It's a monster. He's a he's a giant monster. Now, can we blame that on the design, or are you going for Andy Circus? No, that's not Andy's, but it's never the actor's fault. It's never, ever the actor's fault. I, he, so he does a remarkable a job. Hold on. <laughs> I was a little You're hurt. my heart here, Brandon. King Kong's not a gorilla? <laughs> I, don't th- I, my, I don't think he is. I don't. What kind of gorilla is that big? He's a monster. 
So that's that's my like the big for me the fatal flaw with King Kong aside from the, the length of the movie. But there's a lot that I really love in that movie too. What the fuck was I talking about? Sorry, we're talking oh, about yeah, Meet the Feebles. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Close that tab. So anyway. <laughs> Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles. This was actually his second movie because you had Bad Taste, which was 87, mm-hmm. and then Meet the Feebles, and then after that was Dead Alive. Uh, yeah. Forgotten Silver. Oh, yeah, Forgotten Silver, yep. That's somewhere in there. That's like then. his pseudo-documentary, mm-hmm. which is pretty fucking funny. Um, but anywho, yeah, Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, Stephen Sinclair, and Danny Mulhern wrote the script for this. Starring Trevor the Rat, Bletch the Walrus, Samantha the Cat, Robert the Hedgehog, F.W. Fly, Weinard the Frog, Sebastian Fox, Harry the Rabbit, and Heidi the Hippo. So what is Meet the Feebles about, Chris? Well, I'm going to tell you what Meet the Feebles is about. Yeah, how about for the uninitiated? (laughs) Those of you who have not seen it, and honestly, this is a a movie that, I'm not going to lie... It was hard to fucking find this movie. Um, when I first heard about Meet the Feebles, this was 25 years ago. Yeah. And I was in college, and I really, you know, didn't really know who Peter Jackson was. And I had a, a classmate of mine in the theater department over at the University of Central Florida. And he was telling me about this crazy-ass director, uh, Peter Jackson, who had made these, these like, three or four really, really crazy movies. And I was like, I gotta fucking check this dude out. So I went on this peter jackson just trip yeah you know i had to see everything that peter jackson had made and the one movie that i could not find was meet the feebles i knew what it was about i knew it was basically the muppet show on acid and that um you know that it was there were there were copies out there but i just i could not find it by chance i think it was my junior year of college uh i woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't sleep and so i just turned on the television was just scrolling through the channels late night and i was like what the fuck is this and then all of a sudden after about five seconds of watching said oh i know what this is and that was the first time that i had seen meet the Feebles. what where where would you have seen it what do you mean what were you scrolling through it was like on movieplex oh shit okay it was like on movieplex like late 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 at night and like they'd show some weird shit on movieplex um, you know, lots of foreign films yeah. and everything, and they happen to show. So I was like, okay, well, this is my chance. You know, finally, after like searching for this movie for like five years, I, f- I finally fucking found it. And I-, I watched the movie and then didn't see it again for probably 20 years. Yeah. And not too long ago, finally came across a copy and a shitty fucking transfer. But, hey, it's the whole goddamn movie, and it was everything that I remembered it to be. And the synopsis for this movie is, The puppet stars of the Meet the Feebles Variety Hour must contend with a barf bag of never-ending behind-the-scenes troubles, including drug addiction, extortion, robbery, venereal disease, good old-fashioned showbiz exploitation, and, of course, a love-scorned hippopotamus armed with an M60 machine gun. So that basically tells you everything you need to know right there. I I just want to tell you, I had a very similar journey to you, and I think it's really, like, there's there's like the post-Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson, which is like where I think all the nerds jumped on that bandwagon, and then... The wingnut films, like the old true blue wingnut movie, you know, wingnut films. (laughs) My Peter Jackson kind of intro was weird, because I was really into film score, so I was really into Danny Elfman... And 
The Frighteners was about to be released. And so I was like, ooh, Danny Elfman's got a new score. I think I got the score before I saw the movie. July of 1996. July 19th. It was the day before my birthday. And uh, my mom took me to see that movie. Same day as the opening ceremonies of the Atlanta Olympics. Okay. I have a great story about that. But anyway. So uh, I... I remember seeing that movie in the theaters and going like, oh my God, this is incredible. I was also really starting to read Fangoria at the time. And so I started, and of course, like you, Chris, I had all these, you know, movie guides, mm-hmm. uh, John Stanley's Creature Features and Terror on Tape, all these like uh, uh, the, the video hound stuff. So I was able to kind of start doing that encyclopedic research and go, okay, who directed this? What else has he done? And yeah, the his earlier stuff... Um, Bad Taste and, and Meet the Feebles especially were were harder to find. Um, Dead Alive, as we know it uh, in America, was a little more prevalent. I remember always seeing that VHS box. How could you forget it? But, but the... cut to fucking hell, man. Yeah, it was cut to ribbons. But here's the thing. I got... L- so you're saying how hard it was for you to find Feebles. Mm-hmm. I was incredibly lucky because at that time, a brand new video store was opening up called Hollywood Video. Uh-huh. And they had a section that Blockbuster didn't have uh, called Cult Classics. And I remember in the Cult Classics section, they had Bad Taste, the censored cover with the peace sign or the jog on sign instead of the middle finger. And then they had Feebles. You could remove one of the fingers, though. Yeah, it was it was like poorly uh, like it looked like they just cut it out and then pasted it on. Uh, the the second finger. Well, the, but the kind of up yours. You it know, was a depends. middle finger. It's the alien pointing a middle finger, but they glued a second finger yeah. on. So it was just like really poorly done. I remember always going like, "What the fuck is that?" But Feebles was there too. Um, and I remember reading in these guys like how difficult it was to find, or hearing people talk about how hard. But it was there, but it was always checked out. Of course. Like I don't know if somebody had rented it and stolen it and kept it. But I would go to Hollywood Video every day and like look for the movie and try to like it. It would never came in until finally one day it did, and I remember very much like Bad Taste when I watched it. I was like, it, it was dense. It was those Kiwi accents. It was hard for me to understand. It was a shitty VHS, so it didn't look good. Bad transfer, and I remember being like, uh, eh. Like I remember Feebles for me. I was always like, eh, I get it. I guess it's gross and shocking. It didn't really, like, it wasn't as gross as Toxic Avenger for me. how old were you at the time? Well, I would say it was, like, probably 97, so I was probably 13, 14. Okay. 14 years old, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that was my intro to Peter Jackson, and then, of course, Dead Alive, but then, and Frighteners, and then Lord of the Rings happens, and I remember being like, oh my god, this dude's making Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Well, I was really kind of psyching myself up, because, like, I was lucky enough to kind of get into Peter Jackson before the Frighteners came out. Mm. So, like, you know, and when I was working in the video store, I saw Heavenly Creatures, which I was like, oh, that's addressing, you know, wanting to see everything that Peter Jackson had done. Yep. Heavenly Creatures was a very, very different movie, but it's the first time I saw Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky. It's who, still weird, by are, the way. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's this, you know, kind of lesbian murder mystery kind of thing that's kind of going on. Um, but amazing performances. Uh, the overall tone of the film was just, you know, crazy. And to to see, you know, bad taste to Heavenly Creatures, you know, there's a huge gamut, you know, and the, the scope of 
what Peter Jackson's talent is was amazing. And then, of course, I was reading Fango and getting prepped for the Frighteners to come out and like, wow, you know, his first Hollywood budget and everything. This is going to be amazing. And I can remember July 19th, 1996, opening ceremonies for the Atlanta Olympics. I'm watching him on television. Out comes, you know, Parkinson's ridden Muhammad Ali, but he gets all the way up there to the the uh, the Olympic torch sets that thing on fire and i said okay gotta go got a midnight screening of of the frighteners to go see and then went and saw that movie and you know it was an amazing film i mean i love the frighteners to this day me too i think the cgi is a little dated but um just some amazing stuff there um what about you matt do you do you remember the your did you have a first time with the feebles can you tell us about your first time your feeble first my first time was very gentle So I, I Are actually you sure it was meet the feels. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I don't know now. <laughs> but it actually, you know, I really was only started getting into Peter Jackson when Rings came out. Yeah, and so I think it was around like Two Towers when that came out. I started to go, okay, well, I want to see what else this guy has, and and just you know follow that little rabbit hole. Yeah. So you have Frighteners, and then you have Dead Alive, and I kept seeing Meet the Feebles, and I'm like, the same thing. I can't find this anywhere. And I think it was something like somebody, and this was like early advent of YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. somebody had posted it on there, but oh. like chopped it up into like 20 something, you know, small clips. And then, you know, you just watch them consecutively. That was my first time and my life was completely changed. Uh-huh. I don't think I had ever seen anything like that before. Yeah. And uh, probably, <laughs> probably shaped my humor from that <laughs> there on in. <laughs> I think I mean it's an amazing movie. You, you look at it, and you know, like we were talking about before, there's just this this wingnut films vibe. I think, and it, I can't even include the Frighteners in there because the Frighteners is really where it starts to transition because that's when Peter Jackson has got some you know crazy money to work with and everything. So you still kind of get that that. Um, was he Wellington? Yeah, he's out of Wellington, New Zealand. You know, there's that certain, you know, the, the Wellington locations and everything, but like the low budget quality of things like bad taste and. Oh, handmade. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it made in his mother's Everything was kind of kitchen, handmade, you know, because, you know, he was the effects designer, he was the cameraman, he was the editor. I mean, Miniature just, builder. Yes. I mean, just everything Peter Jackson was doing himself. And. You know, Meet the Feebles, it's really, really grainy, 16 millimeter and everything. But when I was re-watching it again, I I look at it and I go, you know, yeah, the film stock is kind of shitty. But really, the structure and the direction is very, very good. I mean, everything is there that really kind of presages you know, what Peter Jackson is going to go on to do with things like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Well, it's very clear that, well, I hate to use the word again, but like that he had a clear vision for every movie he ever did. I mean, he's, he is like a madman running around with a camera, just directing his friends and, and other people who didn't quite know probably what they were getting into, you know, to, to, and commanding them to do these things and, and getting away. And it's weird because it's like feebles and everything he does. It's 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 so tacky and trashy, but just it 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 never fe- and while yeah, I guess it's vile and offensive. It never really feels like mean. Yeah, well, it's got that same kind of vibe once again, where it is so over the top. Yeah, 
I mean, the simple it's fact just like that a kid laughing you're watching all the time. an R. Well, actually, it's not even R. It's a fucking X-rated puppet show. It's an X-rated puppet show, and yet it's done with such energy and such humor that, like, you're willing to forgive a lot of the the absolute crudeness and vileness of the movie itself because the the talent is so apparent in Peter Jackson's directing. And I mean, even with, you know, the puppets being as, as poorly, you know, or just, I, I don't want to say poorly because I think they're, they're, they're made quite well. It's just, you know, the limitations of the budget. It, right. You know, he has eked out every bit of that Kiwi dollar that he can. I mean, he just squeezes the fuck out of his budget and gets everything that he wants. You know, he's got excellent camera positions, um, you know, it just the, the shots that he's created are amazing. The editing is crisp. The characterizations are, are excellent. I mean, it's it's just it's a very, very well-made movie on a micro budget. Can I ask you, did you were you guys able to rewatch this re, like recently for this? For this I watched record? it last night. Did, did, you, did you guys watch it like on Tubi or on one of the streaming channels? No, I have a DVD of it. I watched it on Tubi. Uh, okay, so how does it look on that? Is it like is it good quality? No, the quality looks pretty shoddy. There's like a, a cop. There's like a version of you know the the kind of classic, the Hitcher, the uh, Robert Harmon film with Rutger Hauer mm-hmm. and right. C. Thomas Howell, uh, Soul Man himself, and it uh, that version that is streaming right now is like some shitty VHS transfer that looks like fucking garbage. And I'm like, why? And, but so Feebles is the same Feebles way? Feebles is the exact yeah. same way, yeah. And I know that uh, he's been... I mean, it looks like a, a dubbed cassette that, that's been handed around. It. He's been saying for a few years now that he's working on... Remastered? Remastered Blu-rays of Bad Taste and Feebles. Really? Yeah. In well, fact... when it comes out, I'm getting it. Oh, of course. Same. I mean, I don't know what he's... I, I'm sure he's busy with other things, but, you know, like making incredible documentaries about the Beatles, but like... And World War One. Yeah. But... Uh, by the way, he he mentioned Feebles in his Oscar acceptance speech for Return of the King. Do you guys remember that? I, I they gave one of these to the man that makes Meet the Feebles. Uh, yeah, yeah, bad taste and Feebles. And I remember being like, "Oh my god, he he just fucking said Meet the Feebles at the Oscars! Like, yeah. how can you not love this man yeah. for like not being afraid?" Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, he, at that point, you know, he's made so much money for New Line. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah not for himself though. Yeah, they didn't get fucking New Line. The house that Freddie built. Or is it the house that Peter built? <laughs> Peter built. Oh, my oh! gosh. Oh! <laughs> what does this movie have, Chris, oh that works God. for the drive-in? I mean, it's uh, really just puppets I mean, I shitting, go, I pissing, and coming all over things. the place. I, mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I did create like a, a master list that I was going to kind of save the end for like, my dead city tallies. Uh, but there's some other things I, I'd love to talk about here. You know, there's something about young Sir Peter Jackson. He loves his AIDS jokes. <laughs> he does love his AIDS jokes because I mean, think about it in in bad taste. What's the name of the secret, you know, scientific military group? That AIDS. Is, yeah, AIDS. You know? <laughs> so the Alien Invasion Defense Service, you know, is yeah. AIDS. Yeah. And then, of course, in this one, they never say AIDS, but instead they talk about the big one. Yeah. You've got the big one. Yeah. No, not the big one. Which is this crazy running joke, which is just absolutely fucking disgusting. You know, you've got Harry the Rabbit that is just kind of completely covered in what they're supposed to be like Carposi sarcoma. And he's just like vomiting everywhere and thinking that, you know, his 
whoring is, has driven him to uh, a death sentence. And then, of course, you know, once you get to the end, there's this reprieve, which is very, very funny. And I'm not going to spoil that. But, like, you know, just the sensibilities and, like, you know, Peter Jackson will go there. Yeah. He that will is, go there. That's the good news, by the way, about this movie is it was hard for everybody here at this table to find. But it's not hard for you to find if you're listening. Like, yeah. it's now available readily, while maybe not in the best quality. But yeah, I mean, you can find it out there streaming. Yeah, and you'll also, never have like, the... they've they've got it on Amazon because for the longest time I used to kind of every once in a while, I wonder if they got any feebles here, and either it was in a format that you know it's like I don't have an open format Blu-ray player, so I had to find something that was in TSC, um, or actually I guess they didn't have a Blu-ray; it was just you know DVD. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's out there. You can you can get it. You can totally get it. Um. So fuck you, you'll never know what it's like yeah. to not have the feebles in your exactly. life and want it. And, like, just the homages in this, too. Like, you know, the the whole fucking Vietnam flashback sequence. The deer with, hunter parody. With, oh, my God. You know, and even, and even prior to that, before they even get to the whole deer hunter thing, where, you know, you've got this, this uh, knife-throwing lizard, crocodile. What exactly is he? I don't think we ever... What is he, what is he listed as? He's a... He's a frog. He's a frog. Is he a fro- he's a frog? I guess so. But anywho. Wyland? Is that? Yeah. yeah, he's a frog. But, you know, he's a heroin addict. <laughs> <laughs> so he, you've got a fucking puppet that's shooting up and then telling stories about being in the shit in Vietnam. So, you know, that was just, that was absolutely insane. And then, of course, they go into this just straight on fucking deer hunter parody. You know, the whole Mao. Uh, there's Russian a bunch of things saying shit. Mao. Yeah, puppets saying and, Mao. And then, like, what are those, you know, the, the Vietnamese puppets that they have there, which are so un-PC. They look like cats, but they've all got slanted eyes and everything and buck teeth. So I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, yeah. the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Racism's funny. Uh, but it was just, you know, absolutely hysterical. And, I mean, it's it's pitch perfect for just the, the humorous aspects of of this movie. And then, of course, you know, another racist puppet where they've got this kind of East Indian Swami character who sits on, you know, a, a bed of nails and everything and then falls down a set of stairs and gets his head stuck up his own ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then he stays like that for the rest of the fucking movie. So too. Stupid. <laughs> so he just rolls around the set and everything because his head is stuck up his ass. Oh my god, it just it kills me. And then, you know, just wonderful, great lines. I mean, it's just like the melodrama, because that, that, that's really what this this movie is. It's a a melodrama and satire of, I, you know, you could have like a couple different companion pieces with with this particular movie, like you know, Robert Altman's The Player. <laughs> And meet the feebles because it's all this just backstage, behind the scenes, yeah. nitty gritty warts and all of how horrible the industry actually is. How about meet the feebles and Prairie Home Companion? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, another movie like, you know, I actually like Cannibal the Musical yeah. would be like another fucking movie that would be like a perfect companion piece, you know, not to, you know, say anything bad, you know, or kind of detract from what it is that we're trying to do here today but that would be like another movie that you know you could do because there's just that same kind of you know trauma films and early wingnut films it's just crude it's uh, crude but diy but yeah there's there's a certain quality to the storytelling that's there because you wind up having these really really talented people with just you know not a lot of money to work going above their means exactly yeah you know yeah it's and they're musicals. 
you know, because there's musical numbers that meet the Feebles. That's too. right. Feebles is a musical. Do you guys, can you name some of the, the song titles? Oh, one of my favorites. Go Sodomy. Ahead. Sodomy. <laughs> how, how can you pass that up? <laughs> Which is still one of the greatest jokes, too, because, like, you know, you keep hearing about this musical. Oh, I'm going to go on and do my number. No, you better not do your number. <laughs> and then finally, all this anticipation has been built up to what this guy's number is. You've had the, this variety show break down, and the director decides he's going to go out there and fucking save it by singing his musical number. And what is it? Sodomy. <laughs> it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> Um, but just, yeah, so goddamn funny, um, and great lines, you know, there is black forest cherry cake in your cleavage. (laughs) (laughs) Just nothing in this movie that just doesn't elicit just amazing peals of laughter from me. But I mean, this, this movie has everything you could possibly want. Everything. So I'm going to give you some dead city kind of tallies. Okay. And this is, this is the, the list that I put together. Okay. Sex, violence, sexual violence, drugs, drug usage, murder, madness, depravity, war, porn, hippo titties, (laughs) romance, crime, interspecies fellatio, piss, puke, shit, jizz, Driving a limo out of a whale's asshole after going completely <laughs> through its innards, an M60 massacre, and a show-stopping musical number about the pleasures of sodomy. The end. All involving puppets. All involving puppets. I just I'm seeing the MPAA rating. Where it says rated NC seventeen for everything that you just said, but then it would always have well, that look. What is all the involving that, puppets. Uh, the Melissa McCarthy did what is it? The Happy Land Murders? Yeah, or whatever. Brian Henson movie. Yeah, and it's like that and Avenue Q. Well, they're all fallen I mean, I in the footsteps Avenue of Q Meet the Feebles. Twice on Broadway, I saw it twice on Broadway. Uh, one with John Tertullia, who was the original, and then uh, when Barrett Foa took over for him. Uh, and I absolutely love Avenue Q. I mean, I think it's fucking funny as hell. But really, yeah, they, they are. They're standing on the shoulders of Peter Jackson, one of the greats. And if you have not seen Meet the Feebles, go right now. Pause the podcast and go meet them. Meet the Feebles now. Feebles, meet them. Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles. Oh, my God. Meet the Feebles. Meet the feebles. <laughs> Is that where we are? And Peter, if you get some residuals from this, send some our way. Yeah. Well, Chris, what a wonderful choice. Um, But I got to tell you, when it comes to, I think, a perfect double feature for uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the movie that came to my mind is as follows. That is the 1987 classic film, Ghoulies 2. The carnival's back in town with all your old favorites. The Ferris wheel, the roundup, the octopus, beautiful girl, a spook house, bumper car, and a special added attraction. It's got ghoulies, too. Better than Epcot Center. Ghoulies too. Really scary, Mister. Ah! 
kill again. Thousand dollars. Any man who brings me one alive. safe to go back into the bathroom. Ghoulies 2. Ah! They'll get you in the end again. Ghoulies 2. All right, guys. It's uh, 1987, directed by Albert Band, from the writer of Reanimator, Dennis Paoli, uh, and then starring Damon Martin, our old pal Royal Dano. Phil Fondacaro. Oh, God, I love Phil Fondacaro. Oh, yeah. Jay Downing, Carrie Remsen, and w- Wild and Crazy Kids' own Donnie Jeffcoat. Um, oh, there's more than just that, though, man. There's a couple other people in there. There's a lot of people yeah. in this. Uh, all right, so it's 1987. Empire Pictures and Charlie Band are on fucking top, okay? Uh, Ghoulies, the first Ghoulies was a huge hit which led to just a string of successes so we had trancers reanimator uh eliminators from beyond terror vision troll okay it just keeps going charles band has so much fucking money from this shit that he buys a castle in italy he buys dino de Laurentiis's old production studio and he sets up his base of operations in italy um at this point, Vestron video is just kill. We were, t- you know, video is just killing it, killing the market right now. And the people that were riding that wave are doing very well. And Charlie Band is one of them. Uh, Vestron has bought worldwide rights to uh, Charles Band movies, for like something like forty million dollars, which is outrageous. It's just fucking insane. Um, Charlie puts his dad, Albert Band, as the head of production. And Albert Band is an interesting guy. So he was like, he's an old school filmmaker, uh, an Italian guy. Uh, He was the AD for um, uh, John Huston's The Asphalt Jungle. Hmm. He he was a writer on uh, The Red Badge of Courage. Um, He became a... Which Royal Dana was in. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Actually, Royal Dana's scene got cut because it was too fucking depressing really yes huh is he the red badge of courage well no he's one of the wounded soldiers and he gives this entire fucking like monologue that basically just depressed the entire fucking movie to where they looked at it and said well holy shit this isn't like you know american feel good you know red-blooded kind of stuff this makes it look like war is terrible (laughs) everybody everybody fucking felt like you know okay and so they completely cut out Royal Dano's part and released the movie because they wanted more war propaganda. Well, those depressing words were written by Albert Band himself. So he was a very successful producer, yeah. but not nearly as successful as his son. Um, so Empire shows up, again, just a little more context. Empire shows up at the American film market around this time, touting 36 new releases. Amongst those are, in, Charlie Band was infamous for creating cover art and that's how he sold his movies. He just said, this is it. Terror Vision. And it was just a picture of like a monster coming out of a satellite. And people were like, yeah, sold. So he's got 36 new releases. Amongst them are Dolls, uh, Prison, Robot Jocks, and of course, the sequel to his 1985 smash hit, Ghoulies, Ghoulies 2. 
All right, so this is robot checks didn't come out until like nineteen ninety. It didn't, and we'll get did there. It sit on the shelf we'll get for a while? there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Charles Band at this point is like just he's sparing no expense, right? So he he in addition to putting his dad up as uh, uh like head John of, Hammond head of production, no he gets Richard Kiley to do the voice of the trailer for Ghoulies Two, just like John Hammond. Richard Kiley did the voiceover for in the book Jurassic Park. That's like a recurring gag in the book. Is they're like well, I remember we got Richard Kiley to, to, to do, do the uh, and then of course in the movie they got Richard, Richard Kiley right so no it was just my dumb joke yeah. um, anyway so Charles Band's just throwing money around he hires his dad sixty three year old Italian man to make this teen film <laughs> you know Ghoulies <laughs> two um, but he does he's and he's spending all sorts of money I don't did you guys know this Ghoulies two is that is a set that is an interior set the entire movie that entire carnival is built on an interior of a, of a movie studio set, which is crazy. You would think that you would make Even the it... exteriors or interior? It's interiors, yes. So the now, whole facade of, like, the spook house is... Interior. It's in, it's in Dino's old studio. This blew my mind. Yeah. D- did not need to spend the money building these sets. He really didn't. Okay, so this is part of what ends up becoming Charlie's problem. <laughs> okay. So um, he's really just throwing money out the window. Now, he makes Ghoulies 2. And I'll just talk about Ghoulies 2 for a minute, you guys. Because you've already been on the show singing the praises of Ghoulies 1. Yeah, and I I love Ghoulies 1, but Ghoulies 1 was a movie that I saw uh, at at a very young age as a child. uh, And I was afraid of it. And we talk about that in our Ghoulies episode. That's because you're a pussy. But Ghoulies 2 was another movie that I seem to remember seeing on Saturday mornings back to back with Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Like I just remember those two movies being together all for whatever reason they're like inextricably linked in my brain. Um Oh, so you think that's going to be enough to basically make a double feature here? No, but I think inextricably linked in your brain. I think that they pair so nicely for a multitude of reasons. We'll get into that, but okay. For now I just want to sing the praises of Ghoulies too because the common complaint about ghoulies is when the ghoulies show up, it's fun, but for the most part, it's just a bunch of dudes reading spells to each other. Yeah, the ghoulies in Ghoulies 1 are a very small part of the film. In right. Ghoulies 2, you Ooh. get your ghoulies worth. <laughs> you get some ghoulies nonstop. Um, the movie starts off with Anthony Dawson carrying a sack full of ghoulies. And who is Anthony Dawson, Brandon? Please tell us for people that might not know. Vincent Bryce, Price's dipshit lookalike brother. No, I don't know. Anthony Dawson is... Uh, I always thought it was Vincent Price when I was a kid. Oh, yeah? Uh, even though I knew better. I don't know. I, I knew who Vincent Price... Anyway. He, uh, it's Anthony Dawson is uh, the, uh, the from Dr. No. From He's Dr. the guy no. that carries the tarantula and gets fucking shot in cold blood by James Bond. And mm-hmm. That's a Smith & Wesson. And you've had your six. He's also in uh, Dial M for Murder. Well, he's also in a couple other... From Russia with Yeah, he's Blofeld, Blofeld. but secret Blofeld. Yeah. So, And actually, I think he did it again for Thunderbolt, too. I believe he did, yeah. So, yeah, Anthony Dawson is actually the original Blofeld, although he was dubbed. Right. But But he's the the unseen stand-in. So Blofeld's carrying around a sack full of ghoulies (laughs) getting chased through a forest by... And one Red of them cloak wearing to look like a cat. Satanists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um that that's how the movie starts. 
It's hard not to love it immediately. But from there, we get a, a, a flesh-eating barrel of toxic waste complete with a floating skeleton. And that's the, the first horror visual image of the movie is this floating Anthony Dawson skeleton in a barrel of toxic waste. Fuck you. It it's still the best. Has the mustache, too. That's yeah, you can just complete with his mustache. All right. But we the movie does not, unlike the first Ghoulies, fuck around with Ghoulies. We are intro to Ghoulies right away, and this is what we get. We get the fish Ghoulie. Mm-hmm. We get the cat Ghoulie. Mm-hmm. We get a rat Ghoulie. Mm-hmm. We get a bat Ghoulie who yeah. flies. We get, I guess he's a toad Ghoulie. I like the toad ghoulie. I guess he's, he's a frog. Yeah, he's, he's adorable. And we get a fucking giant ghoulie. Uh, and immediately Wait, after... Is this Ghoulzilla? Yeah. Do you see how the parallels are there for all oh. of these movies? Also, the toad ghoulie, is he a frog? What is he? Kind of like in Meet the Feebles? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Wow. Um, but immediately, we then are then followed up. They come out of a barrel of toxic waste. Okay, and if that doesn't make you love the movie they turn into stop-motion characters and climb into the back of a truck, and it's fucking awesome. Um, Oh, by the way, that's the plot of the movie, guys. The unholy, toilet-dwelling denizens of hell escape their confines and hitch a ride with the traveling carnival settling right at home in the struggling Satan's Den Den. haunted house. Before long, the ghoulies become the star attraction until an attempt to cast them back to hell leads them on a rampage of death and destruction throughout the fairgrounds. All right, so we get... Royal in the movie, Royal Dano as the great fucking Fausto. Uh, I have a question for you guys. Is Royal a good actor? He's good at what he does. (laughs) (laughs) He's the best at what he does, and what he does is very nice. Okay. That's a very nice way of saying that. I don't know, because I I can look at a lot of movies that he's in, and there's something very special about him. There's a a very weird charisma that Royal Dano has. Is it those blue eyes? It could be that. Yeah. It could be that. Um, but, you know, it's like he used to work with Orson Welles. Yeah. Um, you know, he worked with Philip Kaufman in, I mean, he's in The Right Stuff. He's in one of my favorite movies, which is John Huston's uh, Moby Dick. That's right. He is in Moby Dick. Yeah, he's Elijah. I love that movie. I yeah. forgot. I totally forgot he is in that. That's him. Okay. Is his white hair a wig? No. He's That's got his... that white hair in House 2. You know? Uh, I keep playing... going back to looking at Chris. What? I mean, is your white hair a wig? Is it white? <laughs> it's, it's very similar to Royal Dano. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you Royal Dano? Oh, my God. Well, Dosh Carnage, yes. I... <laughs> I'm going to send you back. To... I'm a fucking magician. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, guys, the ghoulies are really vicious oh, in this. What? Strange Invaders. No, not Strange Invaders. Spaced Invaders. Have you ever seen that movie? The 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 comedy where they're surfing. They have like big heads and they wear sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes place on Halloween night. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah. Somebody plays the War of the Worlds transmission like as a, hey, uh, we're going yeah. to play this for you. And the aliens hear it and say, oh my God, the invasion's begun. Yeah. Is Royal in that? Yeah, Royal's in that. That's another VHS staple. Yeah. Love that movie. All right, so ghoulies are vicious in this movie. Uh, they and John Hammond's the, granddaughter's in it too. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! We figured it out. We've yep. unlocked some secrets. Space time, whatever the fuck. All right, go ahead. Um, go a, a slutty showgirl searching for her muffy 
gets straight razor. Have you seen my Muffy? Everybody has. Who hasn't? <laughs> Who hasn't? And that guy's great. That the, that random Italian guy that they cast to be to be the yeah, strong it's, man. It's all people, you know, all Italian extras <laughs> who don't speak English. He has a great line where he runs up like toward the end of the movie, that he goes, where he tells us to go is where we run through also, and we don't leave until it all happened and is done when we go. And everybody just like looks at him and they're like, I guess he's done with his line. He just <laughs> he stopped saying things. It's so unclear what he says. All right. Um, there is a 30-minute stretch of this movie that from or not maybe not a 30-minute stretch. I'd say it's like 18-minute stretch at the 30-minute mark where the movie is fucking just perfect. It is just nonstop imagery and things that it's it's hard to top for me. Um so tell us about it. Okay, Brandon. well we get a full walkthrough of Satan's Den. Yeah. And Satan's Den uh, we, I want to talk about this a second. This this dark ride, the whole conceit is that this well, dark it's ride, not a dark ride. It's a no, walk. Technically, it's not a ride, right? But this thing is struggling, and you look at it. It is an elaborate walkthrough ride attraction. There are fucking tiles on the floor, like individual tiles on the floor. There's cobwebs on everything. Like, who the fuck built this thing? They set it this up in like a couple Egyptian of hours. Sarcophagi and everything. <laughs> There's a there's a, a skeleton in a cage begging for water, and it's who uh, doesn't want to go to this attraction? Spiders and bats that like run on tracks above the guys. Uh, have there ever been dark rides that are this cool? Like, was there ever a point in real life for real where like? I feel like I remember. This is more of a haunt than a dark ride. Okay, fuck you. The you know what I'm looks saying? Like a dark ride, yeah, but it's a spook house. Okay, <clears throat> were there these? Did these exist this awesomely ever? Did you guys ever go to one that was like this fucking cool? Um, I don't know. Some of the stuff that I've seen, you know, uh, the zoo used to have Zubu. Okay, and they used to have, you know, stuff that was set up just like that. I mean, I remember it. They quit doing it because they said it was too scary. Like, you know, they thought that, like, you know, the zoo Halloween thing, you know, was a, a more family-oriented stuff. And I got to tell you, I used to love going to it as an adult because, you know, I never thought they were too scary, but they were just classy enough, you know. There was an ancient Egyptian thing with mummies and cobras and spiders yes. and that kind of stuff, which was fucking awesome. And it's like I, I was so pissed off when they kind of changed format. You know, this is the one where they had like the the movie theater that was like in the swamp, and you actually walk through the movie screen, and then you're just going through like 1950s. You know, st- that sounds awesome, but the thing like that's like a semi permanent attraction. I mean, like, no, it was only there for you know like a couple weeks, and that was it. They were gone. All right, but in a lockdown thing, I'm talking about like a traveling carnival that's going from town to town. I might be a little jealous of you because we'd have things like that back in New York, but it was. Um... You know, someone's like Uncle Dominic who was working there. And he's like, hey, I'm a fucking ghost, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! <laughs> the last uh, carnival I went to uh, had two dark rides. The actual dark rides, yeah. like with the track. Uh, both of them had weird murals of like knockoff Draculas painted on the cover or on the on the front entranceway. And they were both right next to each other. Like, one and then the other, like, directly next to each other. 
And um, Which is actually a good marketing thing because like this one's shitty. Let's go see the other one. And then, Chris, of course, you pay for that one. This is what happened to me. I was oh, staring up at this. I, I was staring up right at like a, I don't know. It was like a, the entrance was like a painting of a skeleton lounging on a flaming dragon. And I'm like looking at the thing, and the guy at the other ride calls to me and he's like, "Hey, hey, hey buddy, you don't want to go. You don't want to go on that ride. You know." So I'm like, "Why not?" And he goes, "Well, it's not scary, and uh, my ride's one ticket less." So I'm like, okay, well, I've, I've got enough tickets to, to, you know, to, to do both rides. And the guy goes, the guy goes, eh, it smells like piss and shit, and it's not scary, and it costs one ticket more than my ride. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. So anyway, thanks for the advice, but I'm going to try this thing anyway. So I go on, he shrugs, and I go up to it. It was called the Tomb of Doom, I remember. And uh, uh, I hand my tickets over. I sit down in the cart, and... Again, this is this this happens to me like every time I go on any kind of dark ride or haunted house thing. I always hope like maybe I'm gonna see a ghoulies too, you know? Maybe it's gonna be fucking incredible. Uh, anyway, it's just I get on the ride and it's just uh, like a knocked over strobe light. <laughs> There's like some loud hammering happening, just, just like clacking, and that that was it. Oh, and the overwhelming stench of urine and feces. Okay, so I get up and I'm like. Oh my god okay so i get up and i go to the other guy and he looks at me and i was like hoping he probably had forgotten that i was there uh and he goes um smelled like piss and shit right and i was like yeah it did he goes and it wasn't scary you should have just come to mine instead i'm like okay okay so i give him my ticket like what the fuck difference does it make to you i get in pushes the go button i go into this ride pitch black inside there are no lights there's no mannequins, there's no cutouts, there's absolutely nothing. It's just like a literal dark ride. Uh, just black void <laughs> for 30 seconds. And I'm finally like, just like jangling through this thing. I'm like, uh. And I get to like the end and there's like a crack of light and I realize it's like, going to like dump me out of this non-event into like the, the carnival. And right as I get to the door, this fucking like, like car horn. horn just like blares. And I'm like, oh, I, like I jump. I'm holding my ear, and the thing opens up. I come around, and the guy sees me, and I'm like, I've got this look of like wide-eyed terror, you know, and deafness. And he's like, "See, mine's scary." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Okay, fuck what? you, dude." What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> that was my experience. I see your mouth moving. That was my experience, and that's like my experience with every dark ride. But Satan's Den, dude, it has multiple rooms. It's got a Frankenstein. It has a mummy. It has a spider. Yeah, it has an, an electric chair, a guillotine, a pendulum. Yeah, a skeleton with the water, spike ceilings, uh, a, a giant square devil that laughs at you when you go underneath it. This is a makeout couch. Mm-hmm. And there's a small man in a black troll costume quoting Shakespeare. Yes. Uh, give me a ticket to Satan's Den any day. I'll take it. I will take it. I you, like this movie. Yeah. It's just not Meet the Feebles. That's all. No, it's it's certainly not. And But it, it is slimy like Feebles. There's a scene yeah, well, where Ghoulie yeah. spits <laughs> slime all over people. She is all over people's faces, yeah. Um, there's a scene where Donnie Jeffcoat ninja kicks a... Mu- okay. This is probably the greatest scene in movie history. I think in the entirety of cinema, there is nothing better than this. The shuriken scene? It builds to a fever pitch. It builds to this. Um, and it starts with... Donnie Jeffcoat ninja kicking a, a mummy. He hates this incredible ride or walkthrough so much that he throws a ninja star 
at a living creature, which turns out to be a ghoulie. Um, who then proceeds to eat his ninja star. Takes a bite of the forged steel, and you can hear it crunching it. And this one kid that's next to him goes, Wow, this place is better than Epcot Center! <laughs> <laughs> and even when I like rewatch it, I'm like, Epcot Center? <laughs> Said no kid ever in the history of anything. Like, and at the point this movie came out, like Epcot was five years old. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Epcot? Like, why not just say Disney? Epcot's like science and technology. It's so weird. You could tell it's just like made by a, a 63-year-old man well, who's may- just out may- of touch. Maybe, maybe... Michael Eisner gave him like forty thousand dollars just to say <laughs> Epcot Center. Oh, all I know is I wish there was a Ghoulies two ride at Epcot. Uh, but this th- that occurs, and Donnie Jeffcoat and the kid they they go uh, outside to start to tell people about this, and this is where it builds this the greatest Look, it scene. Jizzed on me. Yeah, and, and I the, I love the crowd ADR that happens during the course of the scene. There's one he's like, and then he spit this goop all over me and you hear some guy off camera go um oh that sounds incredible (laughs) and then uh so this is building and building to uh the greatest scene in cinema history which is a group of people cheering on the ghoulies so excitedly they call them rats because these people are all fucking stupid but they're calling these things rats chanting rats 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 over and over, the ghoulies get so fucking pumped up by being loved that they high-five each other, in the and the camera zooms into the high-five in the greatest scene in movie history. <laughs> Meanwhile, Brandon Shorts are just spouting out methyl cellulose. He's just jizzing. I, j- I come everywhere. I just come so in much my pants. So much that John Carl Beekler comes back from the grave and he goes, Hey, can I get some of that? I need to cover up my cellar dweller. There's a ghoulies guillotine. Royal Dano dies by electrocution, which is what brings us into Phil Fondacaro. Let's talk about Phil for a second. Oh, come oh on. yeah. Phil's the man. He's fucking incredible. I love Phil Fondacaro. He is so... And his voice is so great. Too. Yeah, this grizzly. Rasp- <laughs> I'm a half Italian, half Puerto Rican midget. <laughs> Who can spout off Shakespeare. I'm a fucking actor. There's a scene after Royal Dano is... is killed by the ghoulies that his nephew is like refusing to face facts and he's upset he's working on the truck and Phil Fondacaro comes up to him and he's like I got you your coffee I got you coffee to drink Larry the kid's name is Larry Larry I got you coffee to drink and he's like I don't want it um and he's like hey hey you need to face reality and and Larry's like have you cleaned up why don't you clean up and Phil Fonica was like, I'm not going to clean up. I'm, I'm mourning the death of my friend. This is what we're doing here. And the nephew says something really mean to him. He's like, oh, you were, uh, some kind of dwarf union or something yeah. really mean to him. <coughs> and Phil Fondacaro goes, because he's quoting Shakespeare the whole movie. And he goes, and though they wept for sudden joy, for sorrow I sung, your coffee's getting cold. so so scored he's so sad that he's like so sir nigel pennyweight yeah is actually secretly in love with larry i don't know it's tough to say i just think he he sees him as like a a son yeah or a brother um even though he looks up to him (laughs) 
That's just wrong. <laughs> All right, guys. Actually, there was one thing I noticed, though. Did you know, like, in Royal Dano's death scene, when, like, the police and the friggin' <laughs> Mr. Moneybags and everything come in, and Royal Dano's got that appliance on his neck from where the ghoulie bit him, pulsing. and it's pulsing. Yeah, it's pulsing. <laughs> like, He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just I'm going to call the police. Don't bother. He's dead. No, no. He he's You can visibly see him breathing still. I think we should yeah. call the police. Um. All right, this all leads us to a ghoulie rampage uh, on the carnival. This is just some of the things that we get. Actually, you know what the scariest thing, though, before we get into that? The, and this is part of the ghoulie's rampage and everything, though. I think the most frightening thing I saw was, remember the, the dunk tank dude, the dude, clown? Dude, dude, I've, I've got it. Yes, I've uh, got that on my list here. Oh, okay. All right. I want to get ahead. to that. Go ahead. <clears throat> all right, so we have... A ghoulie jumps into a boxing glove and then punches a dude in the head and knocks him out. And that's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We have ghoulies on a shooting range. Again, legitimately hilarious when the one ghoulie turns to the side and pretends to be one of the like moving targets and like hops up and down like fucking Beekler's hands up his ass, mm-hmm. just puppeting. Okay. <laughs> you got the adorable ghoulie fucking up popcorn. Is Okay. Guys, is that Toad Ghoulie so bad? He All he ever does is like hold the one girl's ankles down. Other than that, he just looks like he's always having fun. Yeah. When he gets eaten by the giant ghoulie, he's just literally playing in popcorn, minding his own fucking business. And he's like, no, he looks so terrified. Keep that ghoulie around. All right. We get a bumper car ghoulie. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. Do it. We get get a -a tilt-a-whirl ghoulie. Which is hilarious, pulling the pl- pulling the, the, pin. the pin on a t- <laughs> spinning ride. This couple's like, no! And it goes flying across the... I just kept thinking of Mrs. Deagle. <laughs> it's very much like Mrs. Deagle flying across. Except I've always wondered, like, do, do you think those make those carts explosive? Like, it goes behind something and it just explodes. explodes. Just explodes. Um, we get a ghoulie... Well, we get a ghoulie in a toilet. What? Hell yeah. What does it do? What's it doing it, to, to the guy? Is it eating his ass? Is it biting his genitals? Biting his just inner thigh? What are the ghoulies well, doing? We have to, to... Kind of think about that, really. I mean, you know, how would you react to a ghoulie eating out your ass? Well, the idea is this guy, he's this, the owner of the, of the carnival, watching it all fall apart. He gets punched in the lip, and he's like, oh, I guess it really hurts. And he goes into the bathroom, and he's like, it's not your fault. You didn't, you didn't know. I gotta take a shit. You gotta <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'll take a shit and I'll feel so much better. And then the ghoulie does something to him. What do you guys think he's doing? What do you think? I mean, if he was eating his ass. <laughs> he would have a different reaction. Have a different reaction. I mean, is he good at it? I don't know. Maybe he's terrible at it. <laughs> eating ass. All right. And then we also have the infamous dunk tank ghoulie. And the reason I wanted to save this for last, Chris, is because this was a scene that traumatized me as a kid, and I think a lot of kids, because it's I I remember a lot of playground chatter about the dunk take ghoulie, because the this clown falls into this pool of water and gets up and his arm is ripped off. He's got an arm off. Oh, that's not what I was talking about. It was fucking scary. What? What's scary? The scary part was the fucking toupee on the guy that threw the ball that dunked the clown into the clown. Dude, I didn't notice it. fucking toupee. I was like, 
Oh my god! Look at that fucking rug on that guy's head. I need to. It is so bad, it Chris. I've been so, looking for so an excuse bad. to rewatch Ghoulies Two after watching it again last night. Well, you need to go back. I and think go I right have to that and <laughs> just check out because, like, they give that guy like he's the principal in those fucking shots. Oh he's god. the one that's throwing the baseball. He's the one that knocks him in, and then he's the one that they're doing all the reaction shots of when the dude comes up when he's missing the arm. It's like a sandy, like brown kind. Oh. Oh, it's horrible. I think I it's do remember horrible. now. Oh, <sighs> my gosh. That toupee is the most frightening thing probably in the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This culminates in the conjuring of a giant ghoulie, which barely makes it out of the ground. <laughs> and then you proceeds. Was Beekler inside that? I hope so. No, I don't think Beekler would be in it. There's probably someone like Mike, Some Italian, like, actually, probably like they, Mike Deke or they somebody. Can pay, they can pay less. And uh, the ghoulie eats everything in sight. There's ghoulie guts hanging out of its mouth. That's something I also remember as a kid, just like, me yeah, too. Shoving these things into it. That was something I had kind of forgotten. I was like, oh my God, yeah, the giant ghoulie goes around eating all the other ghoulies and all that shit hanging in from his teeth. And again, it's like the, uh, like the, the killer clown's puppet hands. Mm-hmm. They're like so impossibly thick that there's no way they can do these refined like movements that they do but that's kind of the joke but in ghoulies 2 this giant ghoulie there's no way its mouth could possibly open up to consume a puppet of the size that it has to and yet you cut away for two seconds and all of a sudden or when he shoves the freaking uh the costume you know the little demon costume. you mean chekhov's troll costume yes chekhov's troll costume chekhov's molotov cocktail <laughs> troll costume <laughs> all right guys this movie has just nonstop ghoulie carnage, but there is something about it that bugs me. Do you, does Albert Band not know how to film women? Because Carrie Remsen in this movie gets the ass end of the camera every she single looks like time. An old lady. Oh that was the my thing I'm looking God. at. Her, I'm like, she looked so fucking old. The, there's a close up where she's telling her story, her arc about that, like gets introduced out of nowhere. Of like, I'm afraid of heights, but she saves the day by climbing, climbing up, up on a fucking Ferris wheel in long shots. <laughs> so there's absolutely no suspense for the entire thing. But like, she gets up there, or like that. This monologue that she has is shot. In the most unflattering, my dad climbed down the, the chimney in a Santa Claus suit, and he slipped and broke his uh. neck. <laughs> <laughs> At least Joe Dante knew how to shoot his, the, the, his leading lady. Poor thing, poor Carrie. Oh, she does. She looks like an old woman. She, yeah, it was it was frightening. And then and then Damon Martin has to lean in to to kiss her. And like when I rewatched last night, I was like, oh, poor guy. <laughs> like you know, he's like. Trying everything in his power. Okay. Then Ghoulies 2 ends with a surviving Ghoulie laughing in a toilet, uh, which brings us to... Ghoulies 3? No. Another <laughs> incredible end credit song. Oh. Well, which is, yeah. Scream Until You Like It! By Wasp. <laughs> fucking awesome! Another music video with Blackie Lawless running around with fucking puppets. Oh my god. Okay. It doesn't. It just. It doesn't get any better than that. I'm sorry. The hairband tie-in songs from the '80s are indeed the fucking best. So Ghoulies Two. Just wanted to wrap up a little bit of history with the Empire thing. Ghoulies Two is a big hit, uh, and I, I have the poster of Ghoulies Two framed, and it's one of my favorite things. But here's something that most people don't know: the designer of the Ghoulies Two poster is none other than Greg Kinnear, Academy Award winner. Greg Kinnear. God bless you. Thank you. 
I'm allergic to Greg Kinnear. Um, all right. Well, something I kind of want to point out here, yeah. too, though. For a PG-13 movie, they got two fucks in this movie. There's three. There's three fucks? There's the great fucking Fausto. Mm-hmm. There's uh, William Butler being scared of Dracula, going, fucking Dracula. Uh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he, then, played, he played uh, Tommy in uh, Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, and he was a friend of Beekler. Uh, he was Beekler's effects guy. He helped him out. Yeah. Um, and then cast him in the movie. He also has a great line where he goes, dude. Your tunes. <laughs> and, uh, okay, guys, stop fooling around. Wearing that fucking fringy vest. <laughs> like, come on. Oh, what a fashion nightmare. Oh, I mean, I know it's the 80s and all, but Jesus Christ. Poor guy. Poor guy. That's going to get you noticed in roles, Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, Ghoulies 2 is just a perfect movie for me. It's not like, it, of course it's not a great movie, but the movie is a really big hit. But the thing is, is like just to wrap up like Empire's story a little bit, all of this like frivolous spending, all of this shit that Charlie Band is doing, it just cannot last for very long. So there's like financial overruns happening. No shit. He brings a real carnival to a movie set. Um, uh, but there are overruns on movies like Robot Jocks, um, uh, Arena is another movie, Catacombs is another movie. Oh God, um, again. This eventually breaks the studio uh the bank seizes empire um and uh charles band is basically forced to sell his assets and it was a a short-lived empire but it's not all bummers and boohoos because uh empire pictures does eventually resurface as full moon that's right and uh becomes a leader again in direct-to-video uh features but that's probably a whole other episode entirely but that is another story. So, Ghoulies 2, I think I've said enough, uh, although I could continue to say more. There you go. What else? What else do you guys need to know about Ghoulies 2? I, no, I, I I like Ghoulies 2. I do. Actually, I think I like it more than I like Ghoulies. Yeah, I think I do too. I mean, how can you not? It's like the the ultimate well, it Ghoulies. Jack Nance in it. <sighs> Saving the day out of nowhere. Luca Bercovici! Doesn't have Luca Bercovici <laughs> behind the lens, but it does have... John Carl Beekler's hands up puppet asses mm-hmm. and and covered in methyl cellulose. <laughs> for that, you can do no wrong. All right, guys, we've got a double feature of perverted puppet playtime to program. Uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, our guest programmer, Matt Yovino's choice, obviously is the marquee name. But what's it going to be, Matt? It's up to you to choose what you think is the perfect playmate. For this perversion of puppets. I want to please the drive-in gods. I really do. And when I think about this, we got two films that have a very similar theme and setting, have a very similar objectively great actor. And uh, again, I'm going to bring up that card. You know, that card. That card. That card. Two very stunning lead men. One of who may or may not have been in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, oh. yes. Are you so, talking about Damon Martin? Oh, I am talking totally about Damon, Damon yes. Martin. Chip. 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 <laughs> Pee-wee's Big Adventure. By the way, <laughs> has like disappeared. Does not, will not talk about his movies. Like, I, like you can't really, I guess he's a producer now, but right. not really. Like he hasn't done anything in a long, long time. 
and not to be confused with the UFC uh, journalist who goes by the name Damon Martin and looks strangely like a weird version of Damon Martin uh, if he ballooned uh, and had red facial hair. But anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> with that being said, as much as I love Meet the Feebles, I will have to go with Ghoulies 2. Wow. This double feature. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you have it. It's our perverted puppet playtime double feature. We are no longer cousins in law. Killer oh, clowns. Jesus, I don't give a fuck. Killer <laughs> clowns from outer space. <laughs> and Ghoulies 2. It is a perfect double feature. It's, it actually is. I, I like Ghoulies 2 quite a bit. And I love me some killer clowns. And I think that, yeah, they're probably fitting. I actually, you know what? Like I said before, I think Meet the Feebles would be a better double feature with Cannibal the Musical. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. That I, would that, be a double that's a lot of right fun. There. But yeah, but no, I, uh, I I agree with you, Matt. I think that you have made the correct choice. I think that... Uh, you chose wisely. I think... Uh, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill, and uh, I'm that motherfucker. So once again, my movie does not get picked, but that's okay, because Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Ghoulies 2 is a cool double feature. That's, that's pretty solid. Aww. Poor buddy. He's crying for real. That's how he I've, really cries. I've never seen Royal Dano cry before. <laughs> <laughs> what you do to my dog? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I can't wait to watch that double feature again. Any excuse to watch either of these movies back to back. This is a perfect one. Um, I think that wraps up another episode of Dead City Drive-In. I'd like to thank our special guest programmer, Matt Yovino. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for finally making it on the show. It's so glad you're here. <laughs> I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And remember, at this drive-in, if the cars are rocking, it doesn't necessarily mean somebody's fucking. They're probably getting murdered scream until you like it for more dead city driving content head over to patreon.com slash dead city driving to get episodes ad free monthly bonus episodes and feature length commentaries chosen by you the dead city denizens that's patreon.com slash dead city driving want to have words with the management email us at deadcitydrivein at gmail.com And hey, why not rate and review Dead City Drive-In on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and splatter just the right amount of slime and sleaze onto our mutant-friendly drive-in screen. Dead City Drive-In. Under 17, not admitted without parent.